Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the Watt. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I have a lot of respect for what Taylor Swift has done with her career. I can't say that I'm listening to too much Taylor Swift on the speakers and the headphones. I know a lot of a lot of people that are, but that's just not me. Maybe I will stop. I heard the I've heard the the tour is a lot of fun though. Maybe I'll stop by. Maybe I'll stop by. I'm uh I'm kind of all over the place. I'll listen to some indie. I'll listen to some hip hop, some pop. I'll listen to just about anything but country. I'm not a country guy. Joe Burrow has become headband guy this year. Have you noticed that? Uh, yeah, that's what he is. It's his new hairstyle. I think every time we style. see him, he's got a headband it's his on. his new look. It's his new look. He grew out his hair on top, and, you know, I guess it's flopping around in his eyes just a little bit to where he's wearing the headband. He's, hey, he's trendy. He's Joe Cool. He's the man. That's, that's why. He could pull that off. You and I, no, we can't do it. He doesn't like country music, though. Do you really? I don't really either. I'm not going to lie. I mean, you know, I, I, I appreciate it. There's some songs that I do like, you know, I, I have a father that of course is from Kentucky where he occasionally did play country music in the car from time to time growing up. But I I'm, I'm a little bit more like Joe Burrow on that one. And I actually have a lot of the same. Yeah. I'm all over the place other than country. Your dad like any of those songs about eating squirrels? <laughs> I know. Okay. You know what? I never heard from anybody in my family about that either. I, so they must have not like, you know, my mom or dad are pretty good at watching the show. My mom especially. I never heard about it. I, I thought that would have embarrassed him and at least got a phone call or something. <laughs> I love Johnny Cash. Yeah. Okay. Johnny Cash, I guess, is country. Yeah. I assume. Right. Johnny Cash is country. He's got some gospel but I love Johnny Cash. Bruce Springsteen kind of has a country vibe to him in some respects. It's He's got an album from folk, a few years folk ago music Western maybe? Stars that I right. love. Right. That I love. Western Stars, so much of what Bruce Springsteen did after he reached his apex in the 80s is just kind of, from a mainstream perspective, overlooked. 
because there weren't a ton of hits like he used to create, but his stuff is is great and it's kind of country-ish, kind of, not a whole lot, but yeah, I don't I don't mind country music. I like what sounds good. And various things sound good. It's pleasing to the ear. We like what we like and it's if it if it's melodious and it just sounds good. Yeah, so there's country music that I like. There's some that I don't. But it's just like there's rock that I like and rock that I don't and pop that I like and pop that I don't. So, you know, it's all what you like. Yeah, it's fine. No, I, it's okay. I, you it, like what it you is. like. It is. And if you don't like it, you don't like it. That's it's right. not that you hate it. You just don't like it. Exactly. You don't listen to it. I, I got mad respect for it. But, yeah, it's not going to be like on a playlist while I'm hanging out by the pool and I'm going to have like, you know, 50 country music songs in a row. That's not going to happen. Uh, it just it never has happened, and you know I don't know if that's me and a product of growing up in the Northeast, and you know just you don't hear country music on the radio or anything like that you know, as you grow up up here. Uh, what about Taylor Swift? You like dabble in Taylor Swift at all? Because that was the no. question, right? She's no. going, she's going to Cincinnati. Yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't either. Like I know some of the hits. Like I don't know if I could call them out, but there's a few where. Like, if it came on the radio and it got to the hook, like, I think I could sing along. I mean, I got a 17-year-old daughter here, right? So every now and then I, I did hear that growing up. But I, I don't I don't own any Taylor Swift music either. There is a tremendous number of intense, over-the-top Taylor Swift fans. And that's Swifties. fine. It's okay. Like Swifties. what you like. Right. I don't become – like, it's not It's not a contest. It's like, I like what I like, and I hate what you like. Like like what you like. If you like it, you like it. And she's extremely popular. And I've seen articles where people are having these out-of-body experiences at her concerts where they don't remember what happened. They're so swept up in the moment. <laughs> they have no recollection of the event. Like, why'd you go then? <laughs> I I had such a good time, I can't remember what happened. So I have discovered in recent months, and and what really did it for me, and this just shows you that there's no such thing as bad publicity. When Ed Sheeran won the trial oh, for the copyright from the estate song. of Marvin Gaye, yeah, right, 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 over, what's that song? God, Thinking Out Loud. Thinking Out Loud supposedly was ripped off from... Marvin Gaye's Let's Get It On. Right. And Ed Sheeran was on Howard Stern a month or so ago, and he, he showed what he did on the witness stand. He got his guitar, and he said, every time you do a C to a G shift in your chords, like, he started singing all the songs over the years that do that same thing. So everybody's stealing from everybody if that's theft. Right. Everybody's stealing from everybody. Right. It's coincidence. It's a creative space. People come up with their things, and it really struck him to the core, and I can respect that. This is a guy who has given his life to his craft, and he's incredibly successful. And, and I, I mean, I, I know that I, I don't want to say how dare you accuse him of theft because I don't think they made it up. They genuinely thought something that was incorrect. But he's so passionate about his music, and he's so freaking talented. And he reminds me of Bruce Springsteen in a lot of ways, just from the how prolific and creative. But I, so I've been listening to a lot of Ed Sheeran. Okay. It started as All a tribute right. to the fact that, that I respect that, yeah. he, that he stood firm. That he fought and back. he stood up for himself. That he used the he law, and back. he hired a lawyer, and he paid him millions to get right. out of this right. jam, of right? <laughs> yeah. A <lot> of <laughs> Definitely. Money. A lot of money. Exactly right. Uh, I, I, I hear but, you there. He's, but, uh, he's pretty but damn he's good. But he's got a wide range. He's got a wide he range does. of really good songs. And, and he performs alone. He's doing a stadium tour now, too. I mean, you know you have made it when you can sell out a football stadium. Yeah. A, a 20,000 seat basketball or hockey arena, 
nah, that's nothing. That's child's play. I'm going to sell out an entire freaking football stadium. Yeah. That's what Taylor Swift is next, doing, that's and next that's level. what Ed Sheeran's currently Yeah, that is, that is. Like, you know, you got, like, the big stars. Like, that's how I kind of gauge it sometimes, right, where it's like, oh, oh, this star came into, you know, New Jersey or the Meadowlands, right? Oh, they're playing in the old basketball arena. Oh, okay, you know, and then when Taylor Swift comes, of course, that's how you kind of gauge it and go, "Well, no, it's Taylor Swift. They're going, they're going to the football stadium with this one. It's going to be seventy thousand strong." Um, yeah, I've never had that. You know, you talked about uh, that blackout thing, like, "Oh my gosh, such a great moment!" All that I've, I've never had that. No, I don't understand no, she, that. That's a crazy. You really one. never, <laughs> well, ever? well, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I've been, I've been helped out by certain substances to get me there. But I mean, I mean, not just out of pure joy and amazement. I guess is what I'm saying. I'm, I'm waiting for that kind of uh, forgetfulness. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, also, the Bears back. Oh, remember the bear from a few weeks ago? I saw that on text last bear's night. Bears back, right? The bears back. All right, yeah. good, good. Yeah, it looked okay. Looked good. We had a you little got gathering. A, got a little. I haven't seen it. Oh, you I haven't didn't get seen the it. Eyes on I'm it. pissed. Like, like I want to see it, but I don't want to see it. You know, it's like watching a scary movie, and you hide around the corner and you're peeking through into the room with a TV. I remember doing that as a kid. Like, I don't want to see it, but I want to see it. I don't want to see it, but I want to see it. I don't want to see the bear, but I want to see the bear. And my nephew's girlfriend came up to meet him because we had a family gathering last night and and it was just all very nonchalant oh yeah the bear's back like oh like it's not like the squirrel's back or the, <laughs> you know the, the possum's back it's a bear and it's huge and it was running through our front yard not very far from the front door so had your head on a swivel this weekend. I didn't think weekend. it was ever gone. Right. But it's back. All right. Back. Have your head on a swivel. You might have, me a big you might have to gun. jump in the pool and avoid this thing. You never know. You might want to get you know get I in there a little bit. I, they can. I, I don't know. I'd like your chances in there, though. I think you could beat them in a swimming race. I like it better there than I tend running. to think they stay away from the humans. I would like to think they stay away from the humans. The I would food agree. attracts them, but if the humans are around, hey, there he is. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, I'd... I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind him nuzzling. I just don't want him swatting with those claws, those razor sharp claws. So, uh, anyway, um, no more bear safety tips for me, other than what we discussed a few weeks ago. If it's a black bear, you're screwed. If it's a brown bear, play dead. If it's a black bear, fight back. Somebody emailed that after we talked about the bears the last time. You can fight off a black bear. You can kind of like scare it off, right? Because the whole roll up and curl in a ball and play dead. It ain't going to help you with a black bear. If a black bear is coming at you, the black bear means business. So fight back against a black bear. Apparently that's good. To know. That, that's the advice that I receive. Right. I'm not a bear expert and I don't want to be, I want to see it, but I don't want to see it. And we're in the process of expanding our security footprint at the house. Not for any specific reason other than the bear cameras all around the house. So I'm going to be checking the video like every morning Where's the bear? Where's the bear? Where's the bear? Because now we kind of maybe have 40% coverage. We're going to have, I think by tonight, 100% coverage all around the house. So I'll be checking the, the DVR for evidence of, of the bear. All That's right. the next best thing to seeing the bear live. I want to see the bear on, on video. Yeah, yeah. It's good to have around the house. Check what's going on when you're asleep at night. See if he's getting into anything. I, I got, we got that kind of set up at our house, too. It comes in handy. Excuse me. 
It does. So, yeah, be careful out there, man. You Sheerio. Yeah, that's what you are. You know, that's what they call Ed Sheeran fans. Sheerios, right? They have Swifties. Yeah, I don't like You're that. You're a Sheerio. I don't like that. I, I said, do I not use should... that term. I will find you and kill you. I, think I, we I should wrote that in that the document. I gave you fair name. Sheerio. You're See, a now Shirio. I can't act like. No. I can't act like I don't like it because then you'll never. Yeah, it's Stop. too late. You so, already did it. So I love it. Come keep up it, a few keep times. Keep it up. I love it. It's, it's right. great. Well, it's great. What, I get a tattoo. What about Kirk Cousins? You don't I get, get a little tattoo. lightheaded when you you get an interview with him. You don't get a little nervous. Oh, yeah, it's the Vikings yeah, quarterback. Yeah. It's your idol. I mean, come on. You don't you don't get a little yeah. nervous then. <laughs> I, I I have an out of body experience because I'm bracing for an unexpected punch in the face. And my response to that would be good. Show some of that on a football field. Oh, <laughs> uh, you're anyway. a jerk. All right, All right. Sherry. Don't get me started. <laughs> uh, Kirk Cousins used to throw footballs to Stephon Diggs until Diggs decided that <laughs> I can't handle Kirk Cousins anymore. And don't <laughs> don't don't accept any explanation other than. The moment the Vikings extended Kirk Cousins' contract, Stephon Diggs decided, I need to get the hell out of here. The, the timeline is undeniable. <laughs> Cousins' extension announced. Diggs tweets his way out of Minnesota. I think the exact same day. I think it was day. the same day. I think it was. I was going to say that. I, I believe you're right. It was the same day. And I'm sure I've said a time or two over the last three years as a cautionary word to the Bills and this applies to any team. If you trade for a guy who has become so disgruntled with his current team that he wants to be traded, you need to accept the very real risk that he is eventually going to become that disgruntled with you. And he's going to want out of your team. That whatever it is that caused him to be willing to take a stand and move on, to go against that whole mindset of team, 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 he says, I want out of here. That is going to get turned on you at some point unless you keep him happy every step of the way. If it ever wobbles, you got a problem. And are we surprised in the grand scheme of things, Chris, after what we saw happen, in the 27-10 loss by the Buffalo Bills to the Cincinnati Bengals in the divisional round, where they didn't yet again get back to the AFC Championship, the game that they lost in Kansas City where Diggs was out there, hands on hips, watching the Chiefs celebrate the receipt of the Lamar Hunt Trophy, what we saw in that game against the Bengals where the ball doesn't go to him, the cause is already pretty much lost anyway. Yeah. He starts gesticulating. And then you get on the sideline, and he's in Josh Allen's face, and the arm's thrown out, and Allen doesn't react. And we haven't seen Diggs or heard from Diggs in Buffalo since then. Not there for the voluntary offseason program. And then yesterday, when it's time for the mandatory minicamp, he's not there either. And I, I really didn't, because we talked yesterday, who's even having mandatory minicamps? The only way we know by the guys who don't show up. And I wasn't even thinking Diggs wasn't going to be there. I wasn't because either. what happens yeah. is what happens is when you talk about Diggs not being at the voluntary OTAs, the Bills Mafia fights back and says, it's no big deal. Why are you talking about this? It's no big deal. He'll be there when he has to be there. Quit talking about this. It's no big deal. It's voluntary. Quit talking about it. You're trying to stir up shit. Quit talking about it. So I wasn't even thinking, oh, okay, fine. I'll listen. I'll defer to Bills Mafia. He'll be there for the mandatory minicamp. And then... Oh, wait, he's not. I, I, I was like you, you know, hey, uh, maybe there's, you know, a, a guy that's you know, a little disgruntled how the year ended last year, whatever. 
wide receivers, as we know all the time, work out on their own. They got their own coaches. They want to be explosive, do all that. But I thought he'd be there for mandatory minicamp. You know, now it's, it's, yeah, it's worrisome. It's worrisome. Of course it is. He's their best offensive player other than the quarterback, Josh Allen. He's the only guy that we talk about all the time that we feel like can go above and beyond on that offense outside the playbook or what's delivered, right? And then you talk about the importance of the year. You mentioned it. You know, it's a team that keeps knocking at the door. There's pressure up there in Buffalo. You know, you, you think they could be on the hot seat if they don't deliver this year. I understand those thoughts. I get, get where you're coming from. But, and then it's the AFC, and the AFC East, as loaded as it is throughout, uh, yeah, this is troubling. I mean, again, it's, it's troubling. Where does it go? And now it's going to filter into training camp, and this is going to be an issue that they're going to have to talk about and deal with here over the next month or two. And it happened in a way that it usually doesn't happen. Yeah. Let's go through the timeline. We first caught wind of Stephon Diggs not being at mandatory minicamp when Coach Sean McDermott told the world that Diggs was not there. Here's Coach McDermott. Steph is not here. Um, everybody else is here at the current time. How concerned are you about that? Oh, very concerned. Yeah, very concerned. Listen, I respect everyone's, everyone's questions and if they want to know our team right now. Just I'm not going to get into that. So we'll talk about practice. Happy to do that. Happy to answer those questions. Look, that started it. Yeah. Steph isn't here, and he's very concerned. Okay, so in the aftermath of that, this is where it started to get weird. Adam Schefter of ESPN spoke to agent Adisa Bakari, who represents Stephon Diggs. Yeah. And Schefter tweeted that Bakari said his client is in Buffalo has been in Buffalo since yesterday morning, took his physical, met with the head coach and GM the past two days, and the Pro Bowl receiver will be there for the entirety of the minicamp. So, all right. And and look, I'm trying not to be an asshole here, but how can you just throw that out with no scrutiny, no curiosity, no context, no effort to reconcile what Sean McDermott had just said? McDermott said, he's not here, and I'm very concerned. Bakari said, He's there, and he'll be there for all of minicamp. It cries out for something more. And Schefter never had a follow-up. He never had any effort to reconcile. And it's just like, oh, McDermott says he's not here. That's one tweet. Next tweet, Bakari says he is there. Life goes on. Let's just keep moving. Hold on. Hold on a second. This is what we do. We try to find the answers to questions that people want to have answered. So I immediately texted Derek Boyko, the PR director for the Bills, and I said, can you help me understand what the hell is going on here when you've got McDermott says he's not there and the agent says he is there? So what the Bills told me is he was there Monday for the physical. Tuesday, he was in the building. Right. But he left before practice started, which if that's ever happened before with a player at a mandatory minicamp, I must have had an out-of-body experience, and I don't remember it like being at the Taylor Swift show. Yeah. I don't remember anybody ever showing up for mandatory minicamp and then leaving. That's right. That's what Diggs did, according to the Bills. And there's been no pushback from Bakari. There's been no follow-up tweet by Schefter where he basically asks, acts as the spokesperson for the agent. And this isn't the first time he's done that. This is part of the grift. Say whatever the agent wants me to say. Post it on my twitter page and then i know i'll get whatever information i need gimme 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 i need my information i need to be five minutes ahead of the announcement that's the game 
That's why. For people out there wondering why Schefter would have these two conflicting tweets with no effort to harmonize them, he does not want to undermine his ability to be able to tell the world five minutes before the announcement what's happening. That's it. And that's not a criticism. That's not me being an asshole. That's truth. Because I think if somebody didn't understand how the sausage is made, they'd say, boy, this is weird. He's got one tweet that says the guy's not here, and he's got one tweet that says the guy is. Which is it? Which is it? Yeah. He's not there. He was there, and then he left. And that just makes the mystery even even more confounding to anyone trying to figure out what the hell's going on. Yeah, it it, it is a little confusing. Uh, Schefter, yeah, hey, he's he's a guy that's his his business and what he does is built on relationships, right? So yeah, he he's got to be careful there. And uh, I I mean I I don't know I don't know where he doesn't got to be. He's choosing to. Well, be. he's choosing, choosing to, be. to be sure. He's 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 choosing to be here. And and you know I think you know when you. You see McDermott, and then you hear from the agent. He puts those both out there, and then then from that point, maybe he's like the rest of us, or he's just like, wait, but I don't know, you know, where this meets in the middle, or what happened, or exact details well, there. You go find out. No. You go find out. Yeah, I know. You're well, a reporter. Maybe, you go find out. Maybe he couldn't find out. You know, maybe maybe that's just the plain and simple fact right, of the text matter. The bills. But 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 either text way, the bills like I did. If they listen to me, they'll listen to him. Yeah, I, I don't know, Mike. I don't know. I, I can't answer for Adam Schefter. You can deal with that. You could tweet at him later, and you guys can have a I'm conversation. Just, I, no, 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 yeah, no. I just, yeah. look, I didn't. I refrained from doing so yesterday. I was good. I behaved. But you know what? I didn't think that it was all going to blow up on me when we started the show. But it just bothers me because I think of the audience. My commitment is to the audience. My commitment isn't to whatever relationship I have with an agent who can give me information so I can get it out there five minutes before the announcement. My relationship is with the audience. I want to be straight and true and informative to the audience. And the audience, if you just look at Schefter's Twitter page, has no idea what the hell's going on with Stefan Diggs right now. No. And, and there's no. been no update since yeah. yesterday. So, so come to PFT and we'll tell you exactly what's going on. What's going on is Bakari was full of crap. See, Schefter doesn't want to say Bakari's full of crap because then he possibly burns that bridge and he doesn't get the information that he needs from Bakari. I can say it because I don't care. Bakari's full of crap when he says he's there. He's well, not there. Well, he left. Or, or, or the client's lying to the agent, well, which is another issue altogether that needs to be resolved. Well, I think that, that, that to me would be the, the obvious. I don't think uh, Bakari would just want to throw out lies and then uh, look like a liar. Uh, to me, this would be more in, in the way it lines up and the way we talked about it and explained with Stefan Diggs. This seems like something happened, a conversation, a feeling happened, and he said, ha, screw this. I'm walking out of here. I've had enough. I don't like this. I don't know if it's a conversation with Josh Allen, the GM, the head coach, both or whatever, but I, I get the sense that it caught Bakari by surprise, too. He's probably like, hey, the game plan is you're at minicamp. They probably talked this weekend. Hey, you're going, blah, blah, blah. You know, he might have talked to him on Monday. Hey, you're there. Okay, great. You know, hey, yeah, okay, yeah, you're going to go tomorrow for the meeting. Oh, yeah, cool. You're going tomorrow. So he probably thought everything was good. And then he probably can't get in contact with Diggs because maybe he's heated or whatever else or why he leaves. And I, and this happens. And, and again, I'm not trying to make excuses, but I've seen stuff like this happen in the NFL. And we know players can say one thing to the agent and get emotional and all of a sudden go off the radar a little bit and go off the grid. I wouldn't be shocked here. Right. So, you know, this, this is a tough one. It, this is a, it's a it's a it's a close knit family up there in Buffalo. They don't let a lot out all the time there. And this is rare, and they're kind of in damage control right now and trying to figure this out, and we all are because we're all a little bit like, you know, back to the original thing of what you said. 
Stephon Diggs, I understand you want to win and catch the ball and be the man and all that. But at the end of the day, what is there to be that mad about? I, I, there's obviously something, but if for a guy like me, I want to go, wait, you're playing with the, one of the best quarterbacks in football. They feed you ball a ton. I mean, you, you're one of the top receivers in the game. They gave you a new contract last year, right? So that to me means there's something personal, a messaging and all that. And that's what I've been trying to dissect. But, you know, I haven't got answers from people and everybody's kind of trying to figure this thing out right now. And that's the obligation of the Bills when they trade for Stephon Diggs. You need to get to the bottom of the rabbit hole as to why he wanted out of Minnesota. He was heralded there. They would have made a statue of him catching the Minneapolis miracle and put it at the airport if he had finished his career there. Hell, they still might anyways one of these days. Yeah. But they loved him there. Right. They wanted him there. They had paid him in Minnesota. Why did he want out? I need to know exactly why. We need to have this conversation. Steph, before we do this, just help us understand. We're not going to tell anybody. This is this is right here. Trust tree. We just need to understand what happened before we go forward. Because you know what? Frankly, we want to make sure we don't make the same mistakes. We want to learn from their mistakes. They've fractured the relationship with you. We never want to accidentally do that. So help us understand what the issue was and is so that so that we can have a positive relationship and be sensitive to whatever it is that you want and what you need. That's the easy way to do it. I now, wouldn't be shocked done? if they did know. it. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if they did that. I wouldn't be shocked or at least got some version of that. I, I you know, I don't think that's crazy. It all happened so fast. It happened it fast, happened but so yeah, fast. it's a good player and you get the answers they want and that's it. And and to your point, with anybody you talk to in the league, they all kind of feel like you do and what you were joking about a minute ago. That he didn't see, you know, the promise or the glory, you know, you know, the the light at the end of the tunnel with Kirk Cousins. He wanted out. He went, wait, I think this is like as good as we can be here, or whatever. And he wanted more. I, I think there's a lot of people in football that feel that way. So now, what the Bills have to figure out, without any direct input from Stephon Diggs, is what the hell happened? What's he upset about? And how do we fix it? People are assuming it's not contractual because he got a new deal last year, which he deserved. Definitely. And reasonably, reasonably. Now, we are in the realm of the unreasonable, so reasonable thought may not always apply. Maybe he does want a new deal. We don't know what he wants because he isn't telling anyone publicly, and for all we know privately, what he wants. There hasn't been a single report as to what he is truly upset about. I think Tyler Dunn of GoLongTD.com is suggesting it's about the offense. It's about Ken Dorsey. It's about X's and O's. But I haven't seen that anywhere else. Whatever it is, we don't know what it is. And, and hey, concerns with the offense, far more plausible than concerns with his money because he got his contract last year. So there's something, whether it's the quality of the supporting cast whether he has lost faith in Josh Allen the same way he lost faith in Kirk Cousins, that's possible. That's possible. I don't know how hey, that I could be possible. Josh was the guy, maybe he's not the guy. I mean, maybe he's not. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's not. Look, Chris, it's one thing to look at the guy's skills. We don't know what kind of a leader he is or isn't. We don't know what he's doing behind the scenes to get the most out of the team. I know. We I just have heard from – well, I've heard from a ton of people, the people I trust. I mean, I you know, I, I've well, been up there. What to about s- from Stefan Diggs? Well, okay. What about from Diggs? I know. Well, I, I mean, we don't know. I'm just I saying. Know. I know. We don't know. Right. Something caused him to do this in Josh Allen's face 
and the sidelines of the last game of the series, making sure I don't have sweaty pits today. <laughs> so uh, I think I'm clear. You're good. But it's a little hot up here. But, in, but anyway, we don't know what Stephon Diggs is thinking. The, the challenge for the Bills right now is to figure out how to diagnose this problem. And if he isn't going to talk, if he isn't going to be there, like, what do you do? And at a certain point, if you're the Bills, if the guy isn't going to tell you what's wrong, right. and he isn't going to be there, you got to play hardball with him and start finding him to, into oblivion, or you just got to say, we're done, we're out, we're over, we'll trade him, who wants him? Who wants him? Let's go. Let's move on. If he don't want to be here, we want volunteers, yeah, not hostages. Right. At some point, the Mike Tomlin line has to be uttered, or it undermines your entire organization. Yeah, definitely. It weighs down the whole team. Definitely. That's where, you know, yeah. it, I, that's where I, as a fan of the Bills and Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs, I want to go, but be careful, Stefan Diggs. This is how you start, you know, your way out of town here. You know, the, the, so, and, and they got a good thing going. That's where, I mean, again, you know, I know we don't know everything there. Right? But gosh, I mean, we know enough people. You know enough to what makes Josh Allen and that group up there now. You know, that, but now, he, hey, we know receivers. They want the ball. They want to be competitive and all that. But let's, like, let's dive into a little bit of what we heard yesterday and some of the things, right? There were some context clues on what we heard yesterday. You know, the first thing that jumps out to me was Josh Allen saying this was not a football thing. Right. So I just want to just I know we're going to play this clip in a second. So you want to hear it first and then we'll dive yeah. into it. Is that a better way to do it? Let's let's. OK, go ahead. Let's listen to roughly a minute or so of Josh Allen addressing Stefan Diggs. All right. Arrival and departure for mandatory minicamp. Here he is. Oh, I know internally we're we're working on some things um, not football related. Um, but, you know, Steph, he's my guy. I, I excuse me. I love him. He's, he's a brother of mine. Um you know, this does not work, what we're doing here, without him. Um, you know, we, we, we wish he was in here today and um, was out there on the field with us, and that's, that's not the case, but I've got his back no matter what. Um, and, again, I, I, I've got no doubts that, that we will figure out what's going on. And um, freaking love him. I, I can't stress that enough. You know, there's uh, things that I, I, could, I could do better and, um, you know, to help out with this process. And, uh, try to get him back here and, and you know, be the Buffalo abilities that he's meant to be. I think that there are some, some things that uh, could have gone better last year um, and didn't. Um, and just, you know, I think we're just, as, a, as an organization, maybe not communicating the right way um, with, with everything. So, again, just trying to talk and, and listen at the same time and um, hear him out and, and, like I said, just try to move this forward as, as quickly and as respectfully as, you know, as possible. Yeah, look, there's a lot of different ways you could take that. Josh Allen, and I saw the headline at ESPN.com saying he's accepting responsibility. I don't know that he's accepting responsibility. He did say there are things I can do better. But, you know, the, the reality is Stephon Diggs is a unique individual. We love him. When we see him, he's great to us. We have great conversations. He's funny. He's loose. But but there's another side yeah, there we can that see is driven it. by right. intense exactly. competitiveness. Right. And and it takes over. Yes. Like 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 an out of body experience at a Taylor Swift show. Exactly. It takes right. over. Yes. And when he's in that mindset, uh-huh. good luck. Yeah. 
Right. Good luck with any receiver in the you know any talented receiver in the history of the NFL. That's why they are who they are because they just like hey, give me the ball, spotlights on me. You can't guard me. You know they're determined like you know stubborn sobs, and I'm saying that in a flattering way because that's what makes them great. But you're right. You know, I, I think there is that. And there's a determination or something that's bothered him or ticked him off that's put him in businessman mode like he would be before a game, right? And, and he does have that switch there. He's an intense guy. Uh, I've seen him on the practice field. I've seen him in pregame. And, you know, like you said, even though we love him and in our interactions with interviews and all that, you, he's one of those guys you could tell, you know, you say the wrong thing or somebody said the wrong He'd flip the switch and get in your face in four seconds. And that's why he's awesome. But, like, with Josh Allen, what he said, the things that like, jump out at me, non-football related, right? There's things we could have done better as an organization and making them feel better, right? Um, this doesn't work without him. That was another one. You know, I could do a better job and the, the phone calls and all that and make him the Buffalo Bill that he should be. To me, it sounds like Stefan Diggs feels a little underappreciated or disrespected in some way. That would be the, the two, you know, my two cents from reading everything yesterday, whether it was McDermott, Josh Allen, it's always good to see it in person. But yeah, that's kind of what it sees. And I don't know, it seems like, and I don't know where that disrespect is or where he feels like it is. And if it's money or lack of balls or wanting the ball in bigger moments, that I don't know. And that seems to be a little bit what they're figuring out on the fly and trying to flush out themselves up there in Buffalo. And if it's not football related, that carves off a huge category of potential areas of speculation. Right. If it's not football related, if that's true. Now, look, Josh Allen didn't seem as hesitant and careful with his words as I thought he would be because I think you're tiptoeing through a minefield yeah. when you're dealing with a guy who's got that switch that flips and it's apparently flipped and stayed flipped since the end of the regular or the postseason last year. But it's 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 all it's all it just adds to the mystery. I want the mystery to begin to be solved. Saying it's not football related, first of all, I don't know that I buy that. Uh, it could be that enough football related things happen that cause a non football related issue. Yeah, you never know what's going to make the volcano erupt. There's all sorts of pressure points that are and aren't on the you know the the base of the volcano that can cause it to happen. And it could be that something else has set him off, but something has set him off. Something has him upset. Something had him show up and then say, I can't take this. I mean, you know, like, think think about that. Think about that. Right. It's not he just stayed (laughs) home. He decided at some point, I'll go. Right. And then he got there and he decided whatever it is, is bothering him so much that he regrets coming. I'm leaving. So, Unless it was all strategic and pre-planned, and I don't think so. I, don't I think, think he's so very either. emotional. Right. He decided I'll go, and he got there, and whatever it was that was bothering him, yep. somebody either said something or something happened or he sensed something in the air, and he said, screw it, I'm out. It, it seems that way. There was some sort of messaging. I mean, I guess the next part of this, if we're going to sit here and dissect this and, and continue to be you know, Inspector Gadget, right, uh, is his cryptic tweets – or, and what he sent out, Mike, that would lead me to believe that something was said to go, wait, this is annoying, or they pissed me off, or they don't disres- they just don't respect me, and then he leaves the building. That's what it would lead me to believe, and here they are. Well, yes, and, and look, 
everything he does on social media is cryptic. So this was no exception. This is last night. I just be letting people cap if them lies help you sleep. Better tell him, big dog. So he's saying someone's lying about him, but he's not saying how, he's not saying why. And it's not reporters because nobody's even trying to say what it is. We don't know. No one's saying, well, he's not there because of his contract, or he's not there because he doesn't like what the front office has done as it relates to adding receivers, or he doesn't like what the coaching staff is doing as it relates to X's and O's. Nobody has affirmatively said it to the way that would cause him to respond. So... If if he thinks lies are being told, Chris, maybe it's within the context of whatever meetings he had. That's one thing his agent told Shefty, that he met with the coach and the GM yeah. for the last two days. Right. And maybe in those meetings, someone said something that caused him to say, you know what, you guys just don't get it. I shouldn't have to explain it to you. You're adults. I'm an adult. If you don't understand what the issue is, there's nothing I can do to help you. See you later. Yeah. And maybe that's right. I, well, and that, that's where I just, you get into again, that just, it's like, okay, when I, when I hear those kind of, kind of conversations, you know, it, it, when I GM coach, I, I think finances, I do, even though I'm a little bit like, wait, we just got an extension and you're one of the highest paid receivers. But you know, I, I mean, you know, the, like the old, the old saying is how much, you know, how much money do you want? Well, more, right. I mean, everybody wants more. I don't know if that's it. Right. Uh, but but obviously there was something there in some sort of conversation, whether it was money, feeling disrespect or a role in the offense, which is the part what I would have the, the hardest time really like figuring out uh, th- that's uh, you know, he was what the second most targeted receiver in football last year behind Devontae Adams. I mean, like we talk about. It's 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 the only thing that scares a team. So we know so much of their offense is based around him. So, you know, again, I don't know how much he wants the ball or how much more he should have got it. So that's where then I lean back into the finance department or a messaging that he feels disrespected uh, because, I, like I said, I just have a hard time thinking it's the football thing. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Home isn't just a place. It's a state of mind. Like curling up in a comfy chair while it's cold outside with a warm drink, or maybe even a wine in hand. As you watch the world go by outside your window. Mmm, short rib. Good afternoon, this is your captain speaking. Which is why at Delta, our people do our best to make you feel at home. Refill? Long before you get there. Delta, keep climbing. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.
I don't like speculating, but in the absence of facts, what are we supposed to do? Yeah. Our job is to use our own experience, our own unique experience is mine covering the sport for 20 plus years, yours being in and around it for your whole life. Like, I, I, there aren't a lot of similarities I can draw upon here. This is a rare situation. Even though a lot of receivers are wired the way Stephon Diggs is, there aren't many that have done what he's done. There aren't many that have acted out this way where it's public, but there's no information to allow the public to understand what the hell's going on. If I was a Bills fan right now, I wouldn't have slept last night. I wouldn't know what to think about this team where there continues to be high expectations, but now maybe they should be even a little lower after this until they can solve this. However, they solve this. Are they going to get him to show up at training camp? Are they going to have to trade him? And let me address that for a second Yeah, before I forget. Because I've seen this narrative. Oh, they can't trade him. They can't trade him. They just signed him. They can't trade him. They can trade him. They can trade him. You can trade any player. You can do it if you want to. And there would be no cap charge this year because June 1 has come and gone. No extra cap charge. If anything, they would realize a net cap savings of $1.165 million because they don't have to pay his salary. Next year, they'd better plan for the cap hit because it would be $31 million in dead cap money for that contract next year if they trade him now. But the offset is about $28 million from what they don't have to pay him and what his cap number would have been anyway. So we're not talking about a dramatic cap difference between having him and not having him. It's going to cost about $3 million more than it was supposed to in cap money to trade him. That's a tradable contract. And we've seen Julio Jones get traded when he had a massive cap number. We, had, we saw Matt Ryan get traded when there was $40 million in dead cap money that the Falcons took last year. It's not impossible. And if, if you otherwise can't find your way out of the Stephon Diggs maze and keep him happy, what else can you do but trade him? That's your only way out of this thing. Unless you want to have this uncertainty and this fight and this distraction hovering over your team for the entire season. That's where they're going to have to get to the bottom of this and get to the bottom of it quick and try to squash it, figure out whatever the, the remedy is, the solution, whatever. Uh, it, it's just it's, it's horrible timing that has come to a, to a head right here. Why? Who to blame? I don't know. But, I mean, this is a huge deal. It's a team that we're talking about is definitely in the Super Bowl window with a special quarterback, and this is one of the best combinations in the sport. I mean, you could argue it's the top combination in the sport. And I don't look at them as a Super Bowl team without Stefan Diggs. I look at them as a playoff team without Stefan Diggs, but not a Super Bowl team. With Stefan Diggs, I go, hmm, could win the Super Bowl. Trade Stefan Diggs, unless they get something crazy back right this moment, which I doubt would be that type of trade, a player for a player. It, it, it makes me. It'll make me think differently of the Buffalo Bills. That's what I'm saying. We're talking about the team where, for the last two years, we've talked about they need some guys that could do more outside the realm of the playbook and what McDermott teaches and all of that. And Stephon Diggs is one of those guys. And then take that away, and you go, well, okay, so now who does it on their offense? And that would severely change my thoughts on the Bills. Signing DeAndre Hopkins as a replacement would not be the same. It still wouldn't be. No, not, right. 
right. the same guy as Stephon Diggs, all due respect to DeAndre Hopkins. Right. They would still be losing something from the offense. Definitely, yes. DeAndre Hopkins, really good player, you know, like we've discussed over the last week or so. But Diggs is, is one of those guys where, hey, yeah, he can catch a slant and make a move and then make another move, and all of a sudden he's 50 yards up the sideline. Or, oh, Josh Allen is scrambling like we were in L.A. last year, right, for the opener. He's scrambling. Oh, hey, oh, don't I got Jalen Ramsey on me man-to-man. Don't worry. I'll turn it on and run by Jalen Ramsey. You just throw it out there. I'll go get it. You know, that, that's, that's a rare skill set. It's, it doesn't go around e- easily in the NFL. And, yes, DeAndre Hopkins at this point of his career is, is not Stephon Diggs. And to the extent that Stephon Diggs is eyeballing another team, if that's part of this. Because I could look at this and say, you know what, you know what? Diggs is smart, and he knows that they can't trade him before June 1. So if you're going to make a stand, you do it after June 1. You you activate the machinery post-June 1. But you look at the, the places, the contenders. Right. They're, they're set. Right. They're set. AFC and NFC. No one's going to turn their team upside down now and bring in a guy who has become disgruntled with two different cities without the full opportunity to understand how these other teams got themselves crossways with Stephon Diggs and how are we going to avoid doing that? Do we want to accept that risk that we're going to get our team in a spot one, two, three years down the line where this guy isn't happy here either? There's not enough time to do that properly. No, there's only one team that could do that. Like you could say, who, who? The Giants. Who's Dayball going to go, I know this guy. I know what he's made of, right? It'd be the only guy that I could say doesn't need to do. They, they'll, they'll, they'll have enough people on their staff and people that have been in Buffalo to know those answers and how they feel about that. And that's the only team, to your point, because I thought about the same stuff that kind of made sense if he was trying to make some play. Because I go, oh, the Giants, yeah, they don't have a number one receiver. Ooh, he, he did like Dayball. Uh, maybe Dayball likes him a lot and knows how to work him. That's the only one that I that went through my brain, to your point. So I didn't mean to cut you off there, Mike, but that was... That was I, I like yeah, that, because yeah. I don't think of the Giants as a high-end contender in the NFC. Front. No, I don't I either. Don't. You're I right. Think, I know. I think of the Eagles, the 49ers... And then you start thinking about the Cowboys, and I stopped thinking of NFC teams when I got to the Cowboys yeah. because that's where his brother plays, and and they they don't they got Brandon Cooks. They've yeah. already gone down that path. They have C.D. Lamb, Brandon Cooks, Michael Gallup. They don't need that's him. That's right. The Giants that would be spicy, and I kind of like that if that would happen. <laughs> yeah, well, that's where my I kind of like that. I, well, I just you know I, I try to put my head or you know brain and or put my feet in, in Stefan Diggs shoes a little bit as as a my experience as an ex-player and knowing receivers and all that and you know I, I thought about what you thought of too you know oh okay wait is he trying to finagle something here is there something he's got on his radar and that was the only one that you know like you said there it made sense to me that there was obviously a fit a knowledge of the guy you know, but yeah, it doesn't fit the mold of definite bona fide contender right now. You know, I think we all want to see a little bit more from the Giants before we just say that. What about the Lions? Hmm. Mm. They would they, hot team. Yeah. Arrow pointing up. Yeah, they do have a need, right? You know, and then with Jamison Williams uh, being out, you know, suspended again for for what was it, four six games there. Uh, six. Yeah. So, I mean, th- th- that would be a team you look at to go that would fit some or check some of the boxes we've talked about with Stefan Diggs. But, you know, again, hopefully more comes out here. 
hopefully, you know, you can do some digging more, Schefter, me, whatever, and we can get some answers here on to what's really, you know, messing up this situation. Interesting wrinkle, though, with the Lions. Chris Spielman, part of the front oh, office. Yeah. Rick Spielman, his brother, <laughs> yeah. drafted Diggs in Minnesota. That could be good. That could be bad. Easy way for Chris to get to the bottom of what went wrong with Diggs and the Vikings. True. All you got to do is make a phone call to your brother, and you'll get the information that you're looking for. But I let's, let's do this, because we haven't heard much, if anything, from Stephon Diggs since we saw him gesturing toward Josh Allen at the sideline of the playoff loss. Here he is from Super Bowl week with Dan Patrick. Dan's show follows us on Peacock talking about that outburst. And let's pay very close attention to everything he says to see if we can find a thread on which we can pull to begin to understand exactly what he's looking for. Here he is. We had a lot of ups and downs and um, individually, just trying to keep them things keep things tied together. It's just, it was just some crucial moments in the in the year that, uh, like late in the, late in this late in the season, you know, late in the fourth quarter, it was opportunities and we didn't take advantage of. So I feel like um, like that last that last uh, I guess series or that last play when you saw frustration, it wasn't necessarily just that play, but those moments built up to it. You know, I'll never apologize for passion because we kind of. We forget about this game, I guess. Like, and you know, some people say like, "Oh, don't be a sore loser," or you know, it's hard not to be frustrated. So for me, I always look at it as earlier in that season we had a um, we had a real scare. You know, we had something that you know we never thought we'll see. Ninety-nine point nine percent, the thing with Demar. You know what I'm saying so. It kind of like put things in perspective for a lot of people, and it came became real. That slim chance became real for everybody. We saw it, so it kind of seemed like uh, we forget how much. Um, we're putting into this game until moments like that happen. And so when it's moments like where we lose and people try to tell you to have be a good sport or, you know, pat you on the back, like this isn't Little League Baseball. Nothing against Little League Baseball. You know, that's a great perspective. The idea that what they witnessed and experienced and endured with DeMar Hamlin. For Stephon Diggs, it sounds like his reaction to it, his way of processing it was to say, look at what we give to this game. This is not a game. This is our life. Yeah. We put our life on the line for this game. So how this game goes, that's how our life goes yeah. as well. Right. That's how much we have into it. And and I'm reading between the tea leaves <laughs> to use one of your Simsisms that became just a catchphrase. I wonder if part of his frustration is that he believes everyone in the organization should have recognized that same obvious conclusion and acted accordingly the rest of the way and didn't. And didn't. He did, and not enough others around him didn't, including coaching staff. I keep, when he was talking about being in those situations in other games late in the year and not having it work out, it it the the, the breadcrumbs are leading back to Ken Dorsey for me, Chris. I, I I I hear what you're saying there, right? You know, I mean, when you when you get into that type of stuff, and and first off, wait, just to I mean, yes, Diggs is the guy kind of guy that lives it. He lives it, you know, like we talk about with a lot of great players. It it, it is hard. It's your life. 
Damn, I still I haven't played in a quarter century, and I feel like it's still part of my life. I, I'm I'm still in like a mindset of like, wait, I need to train. Oh wait, I don't need to train and worry about what I eat today. I got nothing I'm playing for. I mean, it's he's he's obsessive. He is, and when you hear that right there, like I understand what you're saying about Dorsey. And I do think maybe it falls on Josh Allen a little there too. I don't know. I mean, but but it does sound like there's a guy there that is saying he wanted the ball more in some big moments late in football games. You know, and, and you know, like maybe like what he saw with Justin Jefferson get up in Buffalo. You know, maybe hey, he was frustrated. Yeah, forced, but me. not against the Giants. Well, yeah, but, but forced the ball to me. You know, in moments of of like clutch or big moments or that. Maybe that's what he's angry about. Maybe he feels like they didn't value him enough there, or maybe Josh Allen doesn't take enough chances and throw him the ball, and you know, even when he's covered or not the best looks, maybe that's what it stems from. You know, I, I, I don't know. That's where I'm confused. You have that, Mike, and then on top of that, too, one other part of well, uh, another part of the cryptic tweet or yesterday was the six years no phone call. So that's where I'm just all over the place a little bit with the messaging uh, from Stefan Diggs. I wonder if his frustration toward Josh, if there is any. And again, Josh Allen said or acknowledged in not nearly the same way that the headline Yeah, that was a, kind of a acknowledged BS some responsibility. Yeah. He he acknowledged something. I right. could have done some things better. I, I wonder if and I'm trying to do this in an analytical top down way. Okay, let's let's just play this out. Stefan Diggs has an issue with the overall structure, design, implementation of the offense. Let, let's just assume that's the case. That's a frustration he has with the coaching staff. And obviously, Sean McDermott isn't designing, implementing, and executing the offense because he's not an offensive guy. That's all been delegated to Ken Dorsey first year in 2022 as an offensive coordinator. So they have this offense that they're running. And you know how some offensive coaches are. They want it done their way. Ken Dorsey, kind of an intense guy. Remember what he did after that game in Miami? And he yeah. blew a gasket and he's throwing shit around in the press box. And what the hell was that? So, I mean, maybe Dorsey is saying, this is it. This is my way. Do it my way. Do it my way. And maybe Diggs is thinking, well, you know, it's got to, you know, this, this is his first year. We kind of know what's going on down here on the field. Hey, Josh, Josh. You need to know when to listen and you need to know when to, you know, flash a middle finger up toward the the, the press box area where Dorsey is and just do what's going to work. And I wonder if Diggs is frustrated that Allen was too deferential, that Allen was too robotic, that I can Allen see that. was too right, right. committed to the playbook right. and doing what's expected of him and not getting Ken Dorsey upset with him because Stephon Diggs is smart enough to realize, as the rest of us are, if it comes down to Allen versus Dorsey, Allen's winning. Yeah, no, Allen, I, you know, and I could see that, you know, and that's it's, you know, sometimes it's a, it's a hard thing for a quarterback to cross that line a little bit, where you know, you, you, hey, I'm I'm playing quarterback, I'm doing what I'm coached to do, I'm doing my job, I'm doing all that, right? And you've been taught what's open, what's the right read, and all that. But there is a semblance in the game, a little bit of like, oh, well, I know this isn't the right read, but this guy is just awesome. I'm going to give him a chance, right? I think about Tom Brady with his experience with Randy Moss. That was the one thing he gushed to people about, and, and he just couldn't get over it, right? Because he wanted to make the right quarterback play, but he started to realize, like, 
the right quarterback play might be just to throw the ball 50 yards down the field and let this guy jump up over two people and go get it. It's unbelievable. And I think there's still, you know, maybe some of that going on. At least that's what I sense a little bit here. I, I there, there seems to be a lot. There really does. The more we talk about it, the more there seems to be an overall frustration maybe with, you know, a number of things going on up there in Buffalo right now. Well, and, and let's take it another step as we're talking about all-time greats. Peyton Manning just shows up and takes over. Hey, hey, offensive coordinator, you're good. <laughs> take, go have a cigarette. I'll take care of this. And and maybe he wants. And this is where I was trying to go earlier with Josh Allen. I'm you know not leadership in the classic sense of the team, but that Peyton Manning. I, I'm him. We see Stephon Diggs say I'm him. Maybe he wants Josh Allen to act that way too. And he's trying to draw that out of him. Hey, Josh, you're a badass. Act accordingly, okay? Understand who you are. Understand what you do. We need swagger. We need somebody who's going to take over. We need a captain because the people with their hands on the wheel are steering the boat into the rocks. You need to be the one to step up and take this thing over. Well, can't that's, help but wonder, Chris, I know. whether or not that's part of it. Well, it could be, but I think, you know, back to something you and I have beat to death is, I don't know, who takes over or who's more dependent on one guy taking over than the Buffalo Bills? Oh, it's third and four. We need somebody to run for a first down. Oh, Josh Allen, you do it. Scramble. Make a play. Run this way. Run that way. Set up over there. Throw a laser over there. I mean, there, you know, that's where, like, I hear what you're saying, but I also want to go, damn, I mean... He, he's closest to the greatest one-man show we got in the sport right now. So that's where that's like, that's a tough one, you know, and that's where, you know. Think again, about this. Think yeah, about this. Yeah. 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 I, I, before this idea disappears as quickly as it popped into my right. head, I'm just trying to think of real world how stuff happens, okay? They, they have a game in December that doesn't go the way they want because he's saying to Dan Patrick that what happened at the end of the playoff game was a culmination of frustration. So let's say there's some random game in December. There's a drive that didn't work out and they go to the sideline and Stefan's like, man, I was open. I mean, third and seven. And why'd you throw, why'd you throw to Gabe? I, I, I'm open over here. And if Josh says, dude, I got to do the progression. It's the progression. You were next in the, pro Gabe, Gabe was, was a little open. Maybe you were a lot open, but the progression is I got to throw to Gabe if he's a little open. And and that's just how that's how the the friction can can develop, right, Chris? It can. If it that's what Josh is telling him, the message is I'm not going to freelance. I've got to do the play that Dorsey's called, and it calls for me to look to Gabe first in this setting, and then I get to you. And that's I'm sorry, don't blame me. I'm just doing my job. I don't know if if there is that frustration directed in any way, shape, or form to Josh Allen, that would be where the seeds of it get sprinkled. Yeah. Of him saying, I, I just, I'm sorry, that's what the play calls for. What do you want me to do? Well, what I want you to do is say, screw the play. I'm throwing to the best receiver on the field. Yeah, no, you know, and I, I don't, you know, my, again, there, there's, there's parts of my studies and filming them that, that, that goes on. Where I, I go, whoa, he, Diggs isn't supposed to get the ball right here in that cover two hole. This is, but, but Allen goes, oh, I got a laser beam. I'll throw it in there. It's Diggs. Right? I mean, some of that goes on already. That's where it's like I get to the X and O's part, and I just go, man, they feed him. He's the man. He's got a special thing here with this quarterback. You know, I understand wanting more and wanting, you know, the standard and them to play it at a high level and get to the Super Bowl, but 
Yeah, that's where I, I get back to the original start of this conversation. I don't know exactly where this is going, where it came from, and why it all came about. I understand the frustrations at the end of the season, but I still think big picture thing, it just go, man, this is there, there's not too many better situations in football than the one you're in right now. You know, okay, mate, can you go to Kansas City and be the number one for the Chiefs and Mahomes right now? That's one better one. Okay. Uh, other than that, I think we're going here. You're in the best situation. And that's where, you know, as a football player or ex-football player, I'm, I'm a little confused by it all. This is one hell of a mess for the Bills to figure out. They have to exhaust all opportunities to try to get through to Stephon Diggs and solve this. And if they can't solve it, they have to ask themselves, what do we do? Do we play hardball with him like the Eagles did with Terrell Owens 18 years ago? That didn't work out well no, for anybody. No. Do we trade him? Who would we trade him to? What would we get? And are we comfortable taking that $31 million cap charge next year, knowing that we would also avoid his $28 million cap number? These are all things the Bills have to decide, and they have to decide them quickly, ideally by the time training camp opens. All right, we need to take a break. A big name for another AFC contender was not at mandatory minicamp yesterday mandatory create mandatory <laughs> minicamp although it didn't create quite the same level of discussion and confusion we'll get to that when pft live continues right after this teats and watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever what's that mean it means never cutting corners ever it means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Have you ever spotted McDonald's hot, crispy fries right as they're being scooped into the carton? And time just stands still. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 